0: Well, thank you for that welcome, man. I wish every morning I could wake up to something that says, wake up the one and the only Dana Dine-in. Wouldn't that be awesome? Y'all are good for my ego. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna, I want to get right to our text this morning. We have a lot of text and um, I'd like for us to stay standing in honor of the Lord's word. So our text today comes from Exodus 12, 1 through 11. And it says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year old males without defect and you must take them from sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all of the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat. boiled in water but roasted over fire with the head legs and eternal organs do not leave any of it till morning if some is left till morning you must burn it this is how you are to eat with your cloak tucked in your belt your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand eat in haste it is the lord's passover jesus i'm so grateful for the honor to stand here today and share your word god i will admit that i don't know what you're doing this morning but I'm so grateful that you chose me as the vessel to to share your word. So this morning, Lord, I ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, let it be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So I have to tell you guys this little thing about me. And I wanna say that um, a a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, While I love this thing, I'm not actively participating in it and I really wish I was, but you'll understand why that's funny in a second. So one thing I really, really, really love is organization. Do we have any organizers in the house like you like for things to be just so? Right, I do too, that's not my current situation in my house so I just wanna make sure that's out there being 100% transparent. But I love y'all when things are placed where they go. My hope is that not just one of my children, but all three of my children and my husband are listening to this portion of my sermon, that all things are placed where they go, right? Right? In Jesus' name. That's the sermon, we're done, no. Um, But I love, I I love, you know, those little baskets that you can get. Y'all, they even make cute little labels for the baskets and these clear acrylic things, y'all. is life it makes me so incredibly happy and so a couple years ago I watched Marie Kondo who, who watched Marie Kondo Netflix if you have not found Marie Kondo and understood what joy is you need to watch some Marie Kondo so Marie Kondo has this philosophy that if it doesn't bring you joy then you shouldn't have it get rid of it the only things that you should have in your life are things that bring you joy and so you organize based on you're supposed to take whatever it is and hold it in your hand and say, does this bring you joy? And if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. It's kind of freeing. I will tell you However, <laughs> there's another side of that story anyway. So you got the Marie Kondo and the joy. Well, then, and now there's a new thing on Netflix. It's called the home edit. Anybody watch the home edit? Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Y'all it'll, it'll convict you. I'm not joking. I am not even joking. Anyway, so I watched it and so I just had to bring some pictures today to share with you what I aspire to. So let's see if we can get them up there. Y'all, that's a closet. <laughs> that's shoes. If anybody really loves shoes the way I do, just look in the top right corner and say thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's that's someone's closet. Next picture. That's still people's closets. People actually live there. And then next picture, that's a pantry. That's not a grocery store. That is someone's actual pantry. Okay, and then the next picture. That is someone's refrigerator. That is a refrigerator. That is a beautiful thing. That is a work of art. Y'all, everything is marked. There's little labels on everything. They washed every piece of produce before it was put away in those little things. Y'all, I'm lucky if I get it in the refrigerator, much less wash it beforehand, they put it all away and did all the good things. Y'all, I have to, they don't have children, right? They can't have children. Okay. So I have to tell you that that level of organization is a bit of a pipe dream for me. I recognize that, especially in my current state in life. Um, But what I love, can I just go back to that refrigerator one more time? If that was my refrigerator, I would feel incredibly superior to everybody in this room. (laughs) I'm not joking, I would. I would actually invite every one of you over to see that refrigerator. We would stand there, we would look at it Can we all just thank Jesus for refrigerators like that? And I wanna know how many people they have to hire to come up and keep up with that refrigerator. Anyway, moving on. Okay, but I love how organized spaces make you feel. They make you feel calm. They make you feel productive. Like you have your stuff together, right? And um, as I was reading our text for today, I kept coming back to the really long detailed list of what God was asking of his children. Did y'all catch that? There's a lot of stuff he wanted them to make sure that they did. And I was watching that as I was as I was reading that, I realized God likes organization too. God, liked, God likes things to be done in a specific order, in a specific way. If you have something he would like for you to put it back where you found it, right? God is a God that loves order God is a God of order now I want to tell you in the certain with the circumstances of our world currently we think um God if you like order so much are you paying attention but let me just tell you the children of Israel we we think we're in the middle of crazy the children of Israel were in the middle of complete chaos when this scripture when our text picks up they're in the middle of chaos And that's kind of putting it mildly. They had been through nine extreme plagues up to this point. Water turning to blood. That might shake you up a little bit. Just that one. Um, Frogs. I preached a whole sermon on frogs, y'all. It's a thing. Lice. Everybody's head just itched, didn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Flies. Flies. Um, Livestock pestilence. Boils. Hail, well, y'all watch the weather tomorrow. We might be a part of that. Um, Locust, darkness. It's extreme. There's so much chaos. And while God protected the children of Israel from these being affected directly, they were still being affected indirectly. Think of our gas prices right now, right? Not necessarily our fault, but we are bearing the weight of those decisions, right? It's indirectly affecting everybody, right? And in the middle of that, crazy, God does what He does, and He spoke order. He came to Moses and He said, Number one, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Chick. I like list, right? I like list and checking things off. It makes me feel so good. Number two, then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat their lambs, check. That same night, they're to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast, check. Don't leave any of it till morning. If some is left in the morning, you must burn it, check. This is how you're to eat, with the cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. Check. These directions may have seemed extreme to most people, but I feel like the children of Israel were kind of used to it, right? Got it. They were used to being like, okay, I don't understand what you're doing, but all right, sure, you want me to eat with, eat with all my travel clothes on? All right, let's do it but God wasn't just messing around with his people. He was protecting his people from the angel of death. His people didn't know what was coming, but he was protecting them. None the same. He was also making provision for what was coming even after the angel of death. Nothing he asked of them was wasted. There's not one single part of those instructions that was wasted. I love that that's how God works. He doesn't waste anything in obedience. There's nothing that we do when we're walking in obedience that he says, oh, I don't need that part. Every bit of what we give to God is used. And so many times when we're surrounded by chaos, like right now, we hear from God and he directs us in certain ways. And we only have one job in these situations. And that one job is to be obedient. That's it. I make it sound easy. It's not always easy. But that's our job. Our job is not the provision. That's his job. Our job is the obedience. Our job isn't, we're not responsible for the covering for the protection that's not on us that's so far out of what we can control we are just responsible for the obedience one thing i know about god and i know about his character is that god is not going to ask me to do something just out of grins and giggles y'all he's not he's not sitting up in heaven thinking "Ooh, let me see if i can get him to jump up and down on one leg and bark like a dog that's not God, that's not his nature. And if that's what he's asking you to do, it's for a purpose and a reason and it will not be wasted. That is God, that's his character. God is a God of order. Order brings peace. First Corinthians 14, tells us specifically that God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. Scripture shows us over and over and over again that God loves order. In our house, when we're praying about a direction, where to go, what what comes next, we will always tell each other, chase the peace. Chase the peace. Where's the peace? You could be in the middle of the biggest storm of your whole life, but when the peace of God is there, It's like you're standing in the middle of a tornado and everything is swirling around you, but you are safe because you are in the peace of God and it will cover you, it will keep you safe. The God of order is the God of peace and he covers and he protects. We can trust his nature. His nature is order and peace. Another thing that really stood out to me in this this text is our second point in that God is our defender. The the part that really stood out to me is the 11th verse. And it says, this is how you're to eat it, with your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hands. Eat it in haste, this is the Lord's Passover. In order to Defend us and protect us. God will give us instructions. A lot of times We won't see what's coming down the road, but he will and so he will ask things of us That sometimes don't make sense really doesn't make sense to eat a meal That you know, we spent all this time making God I mean, you've been really specific in the order that I'm supposed to do this You don't even want me to enjoy it. You want me to put on my coat (laughs) and my, my stick and be ready to go. But God was very specific with them. He said, eat this food and do what I've told you to do, but do not mess around. Don't mess around, don't be playing around. Do what I've asked you to do. You need to eat, you need to do all of these things that I've asked of you, but you need to do it quickly. The reason was God knew when the time came, his children were gonna need to be able to, they needed to move quickly. They needed to make sure there was nothing holding them back from this next season, this new season, they would need to be a hundred percent prepared for what was coming next. Everything. This is what I love. Everything they needed for this journey had already been provided because they had been obedient, everything that they needed. He made sure that they were dressed. He made sure that everything that they would need for the trip. Remember the bread without yeast. Do you know why it was bread without yeast? Because that bread would travel. Y'all, he, they didn't know. They, they're like, well, God, you know, we, break, we, we bake bread once or twice a week. Why, why without the yeast? But God knew this was going to need to last them for a bit. And so in their obedience, God gave provision. In our house, one of the things that we loved when we moved into our house was we had Beautiful peach tree. Beautiful peach tree. Um the first time it flowered, we walked outside and we were like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And we got so many peaches. So many peaches. We were giving people bags anytime they walked in our house. We're like, go pick some peaches. And it didn't even touch the amount of peaches that were on this tree. I don't know if you guys remember this about me, but I am a plant killer. And keeping anything alive is not something I do. So anything that actually flourishes and grows in plant life is, like, astounding to me because I just, just can't make it happen. So after um, last year, during snow snow snowmageddon, whatever you want to call it, my personal word for it is hell, but whatever, <laughs> um, we looked at our poor, beautiful peach tree that we love so much, and we thought, oh, we lost it. We lost several other trees in our yard, and I was pretty sure, oh my gosh, we lost this peach tree, and I talked to Pastor Carrie, because, you know, she's she's a plant life giver, and I'm a plant killer, so I always hope, like, some of that wisdom will rub off on me. It has not, but I still go to her just last week, but um this... We weren't, we weren't sure, and we had talked to a few people, and they said, well, you're not gonna know anything until this year. You're gonna see what limbs have actual buds on it, and then you'll need to cut off the limbs that don't have buds on it, and then you'll know what, what is alive and what isn't. And I just, y'all, I prayed over that tree. I went out and I put my hands and I prayed over that tree. I know that sounds silly to y'all, but God cares about what we care about, right? So I went out and I prayed over that tree and I was like, Jesus, this tree, I just love it so much. So if you could just heal it, if, it's, if, if there's something, and if you could just heal it and bring this tree back. And I know everybody thinks that's silly, but it, it meant something to me. So then a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you guys remember, there was that freeze coming. And the day that we were talking about that phrase, it was a Wednesday night. And that Wednesday morning, I had looked out on that tree and one of the branches had the tiniest little bud. And I was like, oh, I was so excited. then I was like, oh, no, oh, no, it's going to freeze the peach trees. Oh, my gosh, it was coming back. It was coming back. So I went and talked to Pastor Carrie because, you know, she knows all things plants. And I was like, what do I do? And so she tells me all the things to do, and I'm going to 100% confess right here I did none of the things. Um, I, just, I just prayed, and I was like, Jesus, I'm just going to need you to help that tree because, you know, I am just not capable of any of those things. She just told me. She, she told me to tarp it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm sitting there having a conversation with you, nodding like, oh, okay, and thinking, that's never going to happen. <laughs> never. So we leave to go out of town, and my thoughts are with my tree, right? And it didn't get super cold for very long, but I was still concerned about my little tree. You guys, I went outside, I think it was Thursday or Friday, and that peach tree was in full bloom. Full bloom every branch. There wasn't one branch that didn't have full blooms on it. And I love... I love how sometimes we mistake dormancy for death. You guys, a dormant season doesn't mean it's over. A dormant season doesn't mean that God isn't moving. Understand what happens during a season of dormancy what happens is everything goes to the preservation of that tree. All the resources go to make sure that it it looks dead. It looks dead on the outside. Everybody wants to write it off, right? Everybody says, this is done. But those resources go to make sure, to make sure that this, this tree is not just gonna live, but it's gonna thrive. Sometimes what looks like a season of dormancy, God has it intentionally allowed in our lives and those seasons are hard. Those seasons are hard because you feel alone because everybody can look at you and think, whoa, right? That's dead. But God is intentionally allowing some things to go on in your life. He's allowing the things that you thought were dead that are not dead, but he is actually pouring resources into those things. He's working behind the scenes in ways we cannot see. Somebody here one day is gonna look up and you're gonna see this tiny little bud, this tiny little bud on the dream that you thought had died. And then one day you look up and you see, oh, is that a leaf? Is that a leaf? Or you're gonna look over here in the marriage that you thought, I cannot do this anymore. And you're gonna look over and you're gonna see this tiny little pink bud, and you're gonna know there's still life there. And what you thought was dead, God was restoring and healing in a dormant season. Look at the scripture in Exodus twelve twelve. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. This blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt during the dormant seasons of our life, when God is defending us, sometimes he's going to shut you down. And one of the things he tells the children of Israel is do not leave your house. And you're like, but everything I want, everything I need is out there. And God is saying, I need you to stay where I've asked you to stay and do the things that I've asked you to do. It doesn't make sense. It's tired, it's lonely. Y'all, we all know we just went through two years of COVID. We know what it's like to stay in the house. The children of Israel were told, stay in this house. The reason they were told to stay in the house because anyone that was in the house with the blood of the lamb covering the door was protected. If they had left the house, they could have died. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in the dark, it doesn't make sense to be left alone. But that's our protection, that's our covering. I wanna remind someone today that you are not forgotten. You are not overlooked, you are not forsaken, you are not ignored, you are protected what looks like a season of death and destruction has actually been God sending all the resources necessary for your next season, the season of growth, the season of favor, the season where you, where you will flourish in ways you never saw coming, but God did. And because you acted in obedience during a season of dormancy, God can m- make that tree come to life and you thought it was gone. You thought it was gone, you thought it was dead. What felt like punishment was actually protection. Such a good God. And finally, you guys, one of the things that, as I began really studying Passover, God is the God of the shift. When God steps on the scene, everything changes. When God gave Moses the instructions for Passover, he told them that this will be the beginning of your new calendar year. This is it. Everything that you thought was has now changed. This moment, this tradition, this ceremony has changed everything now. This is the new beginning. He's shifting a new way of thinking in the children of Israel. He's also shifting their identity. They don't know it yet, but he's shifting their identity. They were slaves, but now you're a freed people. Shift, shift, shift. It would no longer be their story. They would no longer say, I am Moses and I'm a slave. I am Moses and I'm a free child of God. Shift, shift. The real power in our text today lies in the idea that these words, these words that God gave to Moses 1,200 years ago, these actions were actually prophetic because 1,200 years later, the Last Supper would happen. Jesus would sit down with his disciples, shift. And the Passover would become communion, this is my body broken for you, shift. What we always thought we knew about God, shift. I am the lamb, shift. The lamb that we thought, this, this lamb without defect, no bones broken, shift. The cross happens, shift. Everything that we thought we knew, God says, shift. Shift. I'm about to do a new thing shift come with me over here. You thought this was what I had for you shift. What I have over here is greater shift who you thought I was to you. I'm going to reveal a new nature to you shift. But we have to be willing, we have to be willing to step out of what we've always known, what we've always said God is, and understand that God is the God of the shift. He is constantly shifting us to greater. He is constantly shifting us to more. But we have to be willing to live in those seasons of dormancy, those seasons where we feel insignificant. But it's in those seasons of the shift where God begins to do a new thing. Something happens when the lamb steps in the room, the lamb. The Passover has now become communion and a paradigm shift has taken place. What we thought we knew, what we knew, what was comfortable, Jesus changes as he draws us into himself. This is not just another dinner. This is not just another time to celebrate this tradition. This is Jesus actually revealing to us his full nature. This ceremony, this moment becomes the holiest of moments because Jesus has presented himself as the lamb. When Jesus was on the cross, this perfect lamb, this lamb without defect, this lamb without a broken bone, this lamb who had prepared for this moment, Stood, he he hung on a cross and as the blood of the lamb spilled shift all of nature shifted the second that blood spilled everything that we thought we knew shifted The veil and the tabernacle tore in two. And all of a sudden that access that we had never had, we had to have a priest to go before us, but now we can enter the Holy of Holies. Now the access that that had been denied to us was there because Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us because the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Our access to him had changed and never again, Never again would death have the final word, shift. Never again. You know, church, I believe that we are in the middle of a shift, a shift like we have never seen. I was reading my Facebook memories today because, you know, Facebook reminds me what happened. (laughs) Thank God for Facebook memories. (laughs) But i was reading my memories and today and i um two years ago we're in the middle of a pandemic the beginning of what we thought was just a couple of months may max right this single gonna last long and i wrote this open letter to the church big c church i said church god is opening doors for us in ways we've never seen we're thinking the church doors were closed but actually hundreds hundreds of churches have actually opened because now they're in our homes doors people were people were online watching church it had never been before because they were scared to death of COVID. they thought we need some jesus right a lot of people were reaching out and we had We had the ability to reach people in ways we never had. But at the same time, the wisdom needed to pastor a church during that season, I can't can't even imagine. I can't even imagine, but there was a shift that took place in the church. And what I love about our pastors and about our church is that they understood that a shift had to take place. A shift had to take place both spiritually, emotionally. And we had to recognize that this was a season of the shift and God was doing a new thing. And what we thought we had always known when we come to church and we sit down in the pews and we do the things and we stand up and we sit down and we hug each other, that was all gone. But God didn't stop revealing himself because of a pandemic. God didn't stop revealing himself because of cultural unrest. God said, shift, come with me, watch what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna reveal new things to you, hard things to you. I'm gonna make you look within yourself and and ask you questions that you've never asked of yourself before. Shift, come with me, let's see what I'm gonna do think back to the children of israel they were kind of comfortable right 400 and something years i think it's 430 years they've been slaves in israel for 430 years and i know it sounds crazy to think they were comfortable Some of you are thinking dana they were slaves probably not pretty comfortable but see they knew what was coming next every day and i know people that would rather sit in their own personal slavery because they're comfortable and they know what's next rather than step out and say, I'm gonna step into the remarkable that God has for me. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it looks crazy, but God is the God of the shift. He wants to do a new thing in your life. You guys, I love knowing what comes next. Oh my gosh my family will tell you like when we start planning vacations i get so excited because i get to make the list and do all the things and it just makes me so happy but if i've learned anything especially in these two years is that my list cannot compare they cannot compare to what god wants to do in my life and i would so much rather throw every list away every preconceived notion of where my life is going and just hold on to Jesus for dear life and watch where he takes me. I wanna shift with him with every shift. I wanna have the faith to be able to say, God, just like you did for the children of Israel, you're gonna do for me and my family. And I know that's what he's saying here this morning. I know that's what he's saying. But there are shifts that God wants to take place in your life. He wants to reveal a new nature to you some of you are sitting here thinking right now maybe that thing God's been whispering to me isn't just my in my mind it's not just in my head it's not God is revealing himself to you in a new way I keep thinking about that scene in friends where you have Ross and Chandler and Rachel and they're carrying up the couch and he says pivot Right? It's like one of my most favorite scenes, that and the bagpipes. But anyway, pivot, pivot, pivot. We are not pivoting like that. God actually has a plan, right? The shift that God is doing, if we're doing it, we're going to look like friends. We're going to look like Ross and friends, right? If it's a pivot from us rather than a shift from God, it's going to look like that. But when it's God, He's the God of order. There's peace, even in the middle of the shift. If it's God, God's my defender. He's gonna fight every battle. He's just asked me to be obedient. And then this God of the shift, I don't need to have all the answers, thank goodness. I don't need to have all the answers. Because once the lamb steps into the story, the shift, everything I ever thought I knew, it shifts. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so grateful, so incredibly grateful of how you love us how you put us in seasons that are so incredibly uncomfortable but only only because you are growing us for what comes next. And Jesus, this morning in this room for those who were in their own seasons, God, I just pray special blessing right now. I ask for peace. I ask for the God of order to come and rest on their heads. God, I pray for courage in these days to come. Courage for us to be the people that you've called us to be. Courage to pick up mantles we never ever knew were ours to pick up. Father, I thank you this morning for what you're doing. In Jesus'
1: name, amen. Can we give it up for the word this morning? What a a great message. so timely, it's in season, and uh, it reminded me of, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of chiropractors. I know not everyone is. Some people have had some bad experiences, but um, I love getting my back cracked and uh, in a good way. And, you know, I'll go and not even realize till I'm done just how misaligned I was, you know, and suddenly I've got the free range of of motion. Maybe you can't identify with chiropractor, but maybe blood pressure, Uh, your blood pressure's out of whack and you don't realize until your blood pressure is right, just how off you felt, Do you know what I mean? maybe you can't identify, hormones. Hormones, you, you feel very real emotions and feelings and things and then when it, get, when it settles and it gets right, then you're like, oh wow, like that was not really me. Do you know what I mean? And then in your message, Dana, I just really sense that a lot of us are just so used to the misalignment that we think that's how we live and how we walk and how we breathe and live, but there's coming a shift. Coming a shift. There's a there's a settling of the spiritual hormones. There is a an alignment of the spiritual bones this morning. I just really sense that. Thank you for your word, Dana. Will you stand with me today? I don't want to leave our time together until I just give you an opportunity to know Jesus. I feel like every day that we have is a gift, and this message just man lends itself to. To, to taking that shift. You're ready to say yes to Jesus. You're ready to make him Lord of your life. You know, the truth is that God sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sins so that you and I could be in relationship with him. And you don't have to live the way you've been living. You don't have to live with the heart of an orphan, the, the heart of doing it on your own and making life work for yourself. God is drawing you to himself this morning It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you're watching. Holy Spirit is drawing you to say yes right now in this moment. So if that's you, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I'll give you an opportunity just to let me know. And we're going to say a simple prayer. There's no formula to it. There's no secret ritual or secret handshake. It's just a heart posture. Say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to be a son. I'm ready to be a daughter. If that's you, will you just wave at me? If you're ready, okay, yes, thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Two, three. Anyone else? All right. If you're watching online, just wave at the screen right now or in the in the chat section, put the put your favorite emoji. Let us know that it's you. You're saying yes in this mo- in this moment. Church, will you just place your hand over your heart right now? And let's just pray together. The prayer is simple. It goes like this: Heavenly Father. I come to you as a sinner. I come to you as a sinner. But I believe, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross,
0: that on the cross.
1: For, my sins. for my
0: sins,
1: so that I could be covered, so that I could experience a shift. I believe that Jesus was in the tomb, but the grave couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold I believe, I believe that from this moment forward, I'm a child of God. All things are passed away, all things, are passed away. All things, become, new. All things become new. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate the decisions that were made in the house this morning? Amen. Amen. God is so good if you said yes text next any xt to five one two nine eight zero twelve twenty that's one two two zero also please fill out your connection card we want to get to know you drop it off at the information desk on your way out we have a gift for you for those of you who signed up for spirit connection or are interested will we accept any newcomers or is it too late maybe next time the next time we run the program okay too late um, That's okay, but you should know it's really amazing. But you've probably, to be honest, it builds on each other. So you probably, yeah, you missed it. Um, But you do want to be here next time. Man, people are hearing from Holy Spirit that have never heard from him before. And he is speaking so clearly to people. It is, um, Sunday nights are amazing in this place. Anyway, uh, if you're part of Spirit Connection, we'll see you tonight at six o'clock. Everyone else, now that you've been to church. Go be the church. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday at 10.30 a.m.